Hello and you are very welcome to episode 11 of Dan and Dara doing something else. I am Dara McNicholas. And I'm Dan Eric. Dan, how are we? We're doing okay. It's been an intense couple of weeks with the, with the start of the Masters, but uh, it seems to be interesting. The content seems to be interesting. The people seem to be very nice. So Yeah, yeah. so what is the plan now? What are we going to do? It's essentially so, so the, there's four... Uh, modules over the course of three days um, so it's quite intense in that in that respect so there's like there's changing media landscapes which is kind of charting the development of media it is kind of similar to what we would have been doing in the undergraduate in some in some aspects and then there's research methods which is kind of like a thesis but it's not as long it's kind of like 3,000 words or something like that but it's it's similar in that it's like an in-depth look into a particular topic and then online content creation and distribution which is looking at how broadcast companies at the minute they're kind of adapting to um online platform mm. essentially um and that that's that's really really it's kind of look at we're we're paying particular attention actually to podcasting and how that's kind of developed um, from uh, radio. So it was kind of an issue, and that's kind of more podcasting has morphed into, into radio. So it's. Or has uh, radio pod morphed into podcasting, Dan? No, it's kind of both ways. I mean, and I yeah. know I did, I did a little poking around from my own thesis on podcasting and, you know, sort of other stuff, social audio and kind of things. But it, it is kind of funny, and even now when I listen to the radio, I suppose in particular because I'm getting old uh, RT Radio 1 we say and possibly kind of news talk at the weekend you know how much of that content is actually live anymore yeah and how much yeah. of it is actually pre-recorded podcasts are you know they're not they're not podcasts <laughs> but they're pre-recorded yeah and you're kind of they're almost advertising the fact that it's a podcast while it's going out we say live yeah, you know, there's the likes of Jess Kelly and her sort of uh, technology show, and the mm -hmm. um, oh, the what you call it, the sort of TV uh, film reviews, that sort of thing. You know, some of the business shows, and you're kind of going, I, I, you know, hold on a second, like is this radio or is it actually a podcast? Yeah, and like the amount of time you hear at the end of a of a live radio show that like this is also available as a podcast. Yeah. And it'll, be, it'll be available at midnight or it'll be available at the end of the show or uh, yeah I, I actually think news talker probably and the off the ball crowd are probably the head of the curve on this yeah when it comes to hacking up their shows and the t other things that are developed like off the ball am and all that kind of stuff so i think there's like yeah there's a lot of very very different stuff going on so are they the same or are they very different anymore i really don't know yeah, there there is an argument for that that they're kind of morphed into into one hmm. hybrid almost, um, and then there's also as well there's writing for media, okay, um, which is essentially like writing briefs, uh, writing like learning kind of the skills about writing proposals and things like that. The language, which is, yeah, absolutely, yeah. which which is kind of. Um, similar to, to some of the stuff that we did in, in the undergraduate but I suppose it, it's 
it's a bit of a of a refresher on that and it kind of goes into a little bit more 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 detail as well like we're gonna have to write uh i think one of the assignments is you have to write a brief for uh the claire byrne show on radio one so that that'll be interesting so it's just a matter of listening to it and figuring out what the topics are and how that fits into a brief of whatever like 200 words or you know it's it's a short summation of what the show will be so yeah it's uh as i said it's quite it's quite intense because there's a kind of it's given that it's like the first couple of weeks it's kind of information overload but it's it's uh it's good it's going to be enjoyable i'm excited to see um what we get up to yeah because you're in the door now and uh it's well i might say the door is more online than actually yeah true any door which I suppose kind of has its own challenges too, Dan. I, I mean, it's not something I don't think I'd like to be doing. I, I certainly wouldn't like to be back doing our fourth year now. Oh, no, no, no. Absolutely not. You know, I think that would... I'm not sure... Well, I, I don't think... Personally, I'm not built for online work anyway. Uh, that sort of thing. Because there's always other stuff to do. You know, I'd be kind mm. of... Oh, yeah. Uh, look at that over there. Oh, that wall needs painting. Or, you know... Yeah. What's for dinner? I'll, make that, I'll have dinner on in a minute. You know, I, I would struggle, um, <clears throat> sort of, with an online kind of thing because it's very hard. I, I, I would find it very hard to separate all of those kind of things. But then again, I suppose, yeah. the, other, the other point of it is from your point of view, you've got all the facilities at home. I do, yeah. But I, I suppose at the same time, I'd, I'd agree with you in that it, it does make it more challenging because I suppose I, I don't have, like... When I'm with a PA in college, it's hands-on. Yeah. Versus now, it's 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 remote, so it, it does make it inherently slower. And I I suppose, um, coming back to your point, like, uh, on that, you know, online versus on campus, I'd be very much similar to you in saying on campus is better because I suppose you're in you're in that building for a block of time. Where you get your work done and that's what you're that's what you're doing that's why we're here we're not here to eat jelly beans and yeah you know whatever yeah so we're actually here to do college work and everybody's of the same mind yeah you're kind of in a zone so to speak yeah. I, don't, I don't know yeah um so it'll be interesting to see how it develops and how like our uh our projects will have to change because i think initially uh we were going to film something for the fish which is essentially like i'm not sure if i mentioned this before but it's essentially like a student version of the golden globes um and we'd be we'd be normally filming something for that in the helix in, in dublin so that's kind of had to be scrapped right so it'll be interesting to see how it will develop over the year okay. it's exciting and stressful and nerve-wracking all at the same time yeah. but it's good so in the meantime, Dan, we have to come back to the uh, Young Voices. Yes. And the survey. Mm -hmm. And you're canoodling and, and, and stuff with ministers and, you know, the government. What can you tell us now that it's all out in the open? I feel very positive. And very, it, it's nice to, as you said, it, it's nice to just have it out and, uh, and done and it's out in the open and people can look at it and engage with it like that's the hope i suppose um people look at it and engage with it and and think about it and act on it and we have the right people acting on it that's the important thing um 
but I suppose yeah, over over the course of of five months to have to have worked on this um, with an incredible group of people over the past five months, and to have it out now is really satisfying. Right, you know, you've you you have shared with me quite a lot of statistics. Yeah, a lot of the findings. Now, in fairness, now I mean, I, I yeah, okay statistics is probably the wrong way of finding it but it's actually the findings out of um yeah. what we had do you want to go through them there uh, yeah because i know there's a lot here and we would probably probably will have to crack through an awful lot of it but like having read through it then there's an awful lot of really really interesting stuff in it yeah and and even just to say about that like that's us as a group reading through this reading through the report and picking out the the finer details of it yeah squashing, you know squashing I mean? it down like so even even with this, this is going to sound like a lot, but there, there's more, and that's why I would encourage people to to read the full report. Uh, it is in my Instagram bio, but yes, I I'll crack on. So if we if we start off with, uh, there was two thousand one hundred and seventy three uh, respondents uh, between the ages of fifteen and twenty four. And amongst them, less than one percent said that they had not, in any way, found the COVID nineteen period challenging. However, everyone else had experienced difficulties, uh, both major and minor. So the most co common negative effects related to the mental health of respondents, including overthinking. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, who's your man for overthinking there? Was, <laughs> was that you? Yeah, was that that was yeah that was uh, applicant number two thousand one hundred and seventy two. Dan Aaron, <laughs> overthinking. Absolutely, overthinking, concern, worry, anxiety, depression, and a sense of utter hopelessness. Uh, yeah, so, well, okay, and, and you know, I just want to jump in there, Dan. I suppose is that not just what young people think about anyway? Sorry, is that not what young people just think about anyway? You know, overthink things. They're always concerned. They worry about things. They have anxiety, <laughs> depression, and a, a sense of utter hopelessness. That that's the mantra of youth. You know, even since even since I was a young fella, right? You know, we had the cure for God's sake. You know, the most depressing sort of music in the whole wide world, and we loved it. Now I don't know what I don't know what today's equivalent is. You know, maybe you don't have that. Maybe you don't have that outlet. Maybe that's what the problem is. Bring back the cure. Right. Yeah. We'll all listen to Girlfriend in a Coma and uh, it'll be it'll be fine. I, I do remember us, us broadcasting uh, over Christmas in Tala and there was a, a Christmas song. I can't remember what the what the band was, but it was yeah Christmas song. It was particularly... It, uh, was, it was death in itself, Dan. It was, <laughs> I remember that, Jack. I can't remember the name of it either, but I must take that out for this Christmas and uh, play it at dinner. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean... Yeah, you know, and I know COVID, and I'm, I'm not belittling any of this at all, but, you know, I think that, that those are just kind of things of, of everybody in any generation. Yeah, I, I suppose it, it just points out, though, that, like, it's, there's people behind the statistics, like, as much as I'm, I'm reading out statistics right now, and it's the same with, like, COVID cases themselves. There's people behind this, and uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting one. Yeah. But I think your next one there, the 750 young people found missing friends uh, the most difficult part of COVID-19 restrictions. Yeah, and that that uh, latches on to the fact that one third of the entirety of the, of the respondents um, 
mentioned missing their friends. Mm. One third out of 2,173, so that's yeah, quite... that's uh, massive. I mean, it, it is. Yeah. I mean, that's the one thing that I think COVID has kind of kicked the arse out of seeing people. Yeah. Um, you know, even kind of with, with the latest restrictions that came in, you know, about nobody allowed up to your house, you know, not even allowed into your garden and all this kind of crack. Like, it just... You know, I know we've been restricting, uh, not even intentionally. I think it's just it's just the way things have gone. Not seeing people, friends, family. Um, you know, l- less things are happening. Um, I'm I'm certainly seeing less people. Uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm and I'm I'm more inclined not to see them. Mm-hmm. You know, or not to put myself in a position uh, where I will be talking to people like young fella still uh, doing her in a football training and stuff like that. So if I drop them off, I'll stay away from people. I'll stay in the car if I'm staying yeah. there. You know, I won't be getting out of the car to have a chat. With, ah, geez, be a coward things. You know, I haven't seen you in ages. There's none of that anymore. Yeah. It's just not happening. Absolutely. You know, like, and... It's, a, it's yeah. only, like, essential... Essential... Yeah, if like, even that, like, I mean, a conversation with yeah. behind somebody with uh, at a cash desk in Duns. Dear God. You know, how are you? Oh, I'd like to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Come here a while. You might want to go out to the express check out there. Uh, you know, it, it is. It's kind of, you know, uh, it's hard. And uh, yeah. at, at whatever age you are, I mean, either end of the spectrum, actually, funnily enough, and we were talking with the youth here and, and not seeing friends. I mean, could you imagine if you're 65 to, you know, up to 90 or 100 or whatever? And Absolutely. even before all of this nonsense, you're, you're probably, your options are probably restricted. Yeah, because you're not working, because you're not in that sort of you have to go and find things. Like now, it's, just, it's all gone. And then that little chunk in the middle there, down of people with disabilities, and all their services are gone. Yeah, they've nowhere to go. You know, the Irish Preacher Association we talked about last week, um, and their fundraising campaign. Uh, you know, the simple fact that you know they have no money, so they can't put things on, and and. Uh, you know the videos I put out there, the guys playing basketball and stuff like that, and it's just it's just not happening. So whatever about the youth, it's everybody. It's yeah, it's crypto. I, I'm going to get off the old salt box here now in a second. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to get down now, all right? Okay. <laughs> no, no, I, I I agree with you, and I, and I suppose it highlights it even more when when you kind of break down the statistics and you go, there are people behind this, and it and it affects everybody and i suppose to summarize the whole thing as you said there is so many statistics here that we, we could be here for a while uh, I know, well, there's, there's a lot to go through there is yeah you know uh go on pull out something else there i found it interesting and this is something that we uh, that struck us when we were um, researching the findings that almost one in ten young people were unable to name any positives through the entire period. Um, <clears throat> now, with that being said, that doesn't mean that there wasn't positives that young people were willing to carry forward. Um, so, for example, if we take self-development, so it involves deeper reflection, greater self-awareness, improved attitude, um, and the practice of gratitude as well. Um, and like, it's even something we were talking about right there, um, you know, working remotely versus working uh, 
working on campus, if it's in college or on site, even. Um, <clears throat> the majority of respondents acknowledged that a fully remote life uh, was not their goal. Um, however, they felt that they would like to continue to incorporate aspects of it into their lives in the future. Um, and that involved working from home a few days per week or replacing some physical meetups with friends uh, with virtual ones. I know, I, I can't imagine statistics are about how many young people are unemployed now at the moment currently. Um, oh, it's, 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 it's pretty high and I think it's, yeah. I suppose for, for a lot of the cases they're they're the ones who are holding these particular jobs that are gone, all the catering jobs, all of the, you know, the bars, the pubs, the restaurants, uh, the retail shops that have just been devastated. Those are the jobs that are being held by the part-time students, by young people coming in and doing kind of zero-hour contracts or 18 or 32-hour contracts. All that's gone. The multinationals apparently are still doing well with a great old tax take. Yay! Thank you, all the multinationals. You know, but that's, <laughs> but that's not the young people. Yeah. You know, that's the yeah. thirty-five Absolutely. to something whatever plus sort of age bracket. Uh, you know, who are still getting paid their wages, and and those businesses are still going on. Um, you know, so. You, uh, yeah, I, I can understand where the youth are getting road. And even even something like that we've spoken about a number of times before and that's public transport um like more than 80 respondents said uh reduction in services such as mental health and addiction services and public transport um stated that this was an issue for them so one respondent and we thought this was particularly striking uh one respondent commented i have very strict parents who do not allow me much freedom at the best of times. COVID-19 made this so much worse. It gives them a reason to demand to know my whereabouts and who I'm with at all times and forgive me from the independence of using something as simple as public transport. I feel stripped of my freedom and like a child in primary school asking for permission to leave the house and for lift everywhere. That's tough. Yeah. Um, I remember reading that and just going, wow, that's raw. Mm. Yeah, it's it's just, and I can, I can relate to it from a from a public transport point of view. Well, uh, you know, funny enough, actually, is that a person with disability? Yeah, you see, that's it, it almost uh, is. It's like welcome to Dan's world. <laughs> no, I I don't want to I don't want to compare. In, in no, but way. it is, but it is a comparison, though, Dan. Yeah, you know. Somebody else's hard luck is, you know, somebody else's reality. Absolutely. You know, and again, not to belittle what what that person had uh, and the situation that they're in, but you know, uh, as I read somewhere recently, you know, your your worst days are behind you. Uh, you've survived everything, no matter who was you that, are. Was that in Was that in relation to something in particular? No, I can't. I, you know what? I can't remember what it was, but it kind of, it's it stuck with me. Uh, you know, you survived all of your worst days. Interesting. Yeah, it is. You have survived all of your worst days. You know, if you think back to all the shit that you've been through, Dan, with your uh, with your disability and your back and all the operations and absolutely everything, right? Yeah. You survived it all. You know, it's whatever. whatever's coming next, can it be any worse? 
Yeah, I leave that one with you. You can think about that one, Anne, right? <laughs> yeah. I give you that one for free because I, I thought that was, you know, you've survived everything. And I think it, it was an interesting point in terms of like, because it's that is very much a kind of uh, a mental attitude uh, side of things, and uh, like that was something I noticed that like people who had access to um, youth clubs and youth services and things like that, they kind of felt more at ease because they could go to um, an environment like that and just kind of release a little. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're you're among your own tribe. You're you're connected to the people that are that are there with you. Yeah. You know, you're not going to have to explain yourself to other people. You don't have to uh, make excuses. You know, um, I know when you mm -hmm. like when we went out and visited uh, your club out in Bray. Yeah. You know, there's no question about what's happening out there. You know, everyone was quite relaxed with everybody else because you're in a group that is accepting of everybody else's sort of position. So I, I don't think that that makes a difference between Feroiga or you know any other organisation. You know that are there. They everyone turns up. I'm sure within with any group you're going to have clicks of you know you have your emos over here. You'll have your gods over there, or whatever. Do you know what I mean? But you'll always yeah. find you'll always find your own sort of uh, yeah, your own your own tribe. I thought there was an interesting one up there about the cultures. Right. Uh, was it? Young people in rural areas were twice as likely as those in urban areas to say they felt isolated. Yes. You know, when you talk about transport, I suppose in Dublin and things have been a little bit more restricted uh, Down at one point it was down to 25% capacity on buses and everybody would be told to stay off the buses because it's for essential workers only uh, you know because you imagine being down the country <coughs> and there's no buses in the first place anyway absolutely yeah. you know and living a rural lifestyle uh, is, is can be difficult at the best of times and those little things that you do have like youth clubs or um, you know even GAA God bless it, you know, for all the stick it's after getting, it is such a fantastic part of any community, bringing Absolutely. people together. And that's gone. So there's no standing on the sideline. Yeah. Uh, I know as, as kind of men, everyone's always giving out to us about, you know, I mean, we don't talk to each other, you know, but, you know, we might stand at a bar uh, or we might lean up against the same wall at a football match or a rugby match or whatever. And you might not be facing the person, but you're having a chat to them. You know, so all of those things are gone. So I suppose down the country uh it's probably even it's probably even going to be harder yeah no I, absolutely I, I i concur with that because like i as you said i i was talking about like the the, the difficulties running around public transport there but as you said like down the country they're they're the public uh transport services they're not even there um so yeah it's I suppose it it's it was a really interesting process to to be a part of as a whole because it kind of it it broke everything down a bit uh, for me in terms of like it got like I know it's something we, we keep talking about in terms of numbers and and there's people behind the numbers but I suppose like having to uh having to 
come up with the questions for for the survey to begin with and then having it released out and then having it come back with with such a wide variety of of responses as we did um it just kind of it yeah it it does make it strikingly real and uh like when you when you read a when you read a comment like that um with that respondent saying that she has very strict parents at the best of times it does make it very raw and kind of i suppose even in a situation that i'm in at the minute it makes me realize that i'm like i'm healthy and that i'm you know i, I suppose you mentioned the, the surgeries there before in that like i'm not in that situation now i suppose if i if i was to take that situation um five or six years ago and place me in that now i'd be in big trouble so it it just it it, it gave me a, a a massive dose of um perspective uh combined with uh productivity at the same time because i felt like i was i, I felt like i was part of something you know yeah so you presented to the minister then or it was presented to the minister Yes, it was presented to the uh, minister, and there was a there was a I think there was something like two hundred people on the Zoom call or something. Like that. It was really really weird because I like I suppose in in the in the COVID times, it's like you're not going to see anybody, but I think everybody I should say. But there was I say something around the gust of like. 200 people on the Zoom call, um, and then there was ourselves presenting these findings um, to the minister and to the uh, assistant secretary of the Department of Health as well. And it has been formally uh, launched on uh, the department's website, so it is out um in the public domain and i would like we've we've just referenced uh a few of the a few of the findings that we found but there is so much more um and i suppose the more people that we get to to read it the better um and i suppose what we're looking for from it is i suppose just kind of you mentioned there about like youth and then there's also these people that are you know in the older generations from maybe 70s 80s or you know it's intergenerational solidarity there's like young people don't live in a vacuum but older people don't live in a vacuum we're all kind of together on it and i suppose it's just it's all about intergenerational solidarity um i'm working together as a community together to like fight it and get get rid of it mm. um, do you think it's going to make much of a difference I can only hope so Yeah, I can only hope so like I, I suppose looking at the the amount of engagement that we had um, and the amount of wor work that we put into it I can only hope that it, that it will to be honest um but I suppose I'm an optimist, so. 
Yeah, well, I mean, you have that time. Yeah. Well, the rest of us pessimists, we'll be fine. We'll be on the board. Okay. <laughs> Heading off going, yeah, yeah, best of luck with that, lads. <laughs> but I, I think even, even something as simple as, like, the importance of quality friendships. Um, and that was something that was referred to by well over a hundred respondents. Mm. Uh, so it said during the crisis, some young people have come to understand which people were positive actors in their lives and which were not. Um, and they come to appreciate just how important good friends were. And I think like, that's something that we were, we were talking about in terms of like COVID is almost like a reset yeah. for society. And, um, I think that kind of encapsulates it. Gets better as you get older, Dan. Don't worry. Uh, you know, I, I, I can I can vouch for getting old. Uh, it's not that <laughs> bad, really, actually. You know, the heart gets a bit thinner and stuff like that, and you get a bit wiser. So you do kind of uh, cop on to um, those actors in your life who are just feck acting. <laughs> uh, you know, so it, it is. I mean, like. Ah, I don't know. We could flog this to that then. Um, but there was, there was. I mean, lo looking at this, there was a lot of uh, positivity, I suppose, in this. Yes. You know, while there is a lot of negative stuff, there is. Absolutely. You know, God. You know, the children are the future, and sure, aren't they great? They're doing fine. They will get through this like everybody else. Um, mm -hmm. What comes out with the end of it, I suppose, is going to look slightly different. Absolutely. Um, and I suppose like there was, um, you know, in terms of feelings towards the future, like there, there, it was quite mixed. Um, but as, as I said earlier on, like young people who engage with youth groups, clubs and services tended to be more optimistic. Um, but there was positive emotions like acceptance and excitement as well. Mm. Um, so like there is positivity there and i suppose we, we just have to we have to take the time to to look for it and i suppose that's it's something that we that we've mentioned countless times but it's it's all about time it's all about time whether you're disabled or whether you're able-bodied like taking the time to sit back and go okay this is what i have been doing this is what i need to do this is what I need to keep doing. So do we move, would you want to move on, Dan? Uh, we'll share the link uh, for that um, along with the along with the, uh, the video for this in the podcast as well. Uh, is that okay? Absolutely. Love. 100%. Yep. yep. World Cerebral Palsy Day, Dan. Yep. So that was on October 6th, uh, 2020. So it was last Tuesday, two weeks, I should say. Um, and it affects uh, 17 million people worldwide. Yeah, a number I, I, I must admit I've never heard. Yeah, it, it's quite a large amount, actually. Um, and it kind of puts it into, into perspective because if we uh, think about Ireland in and of itself, like 13% of the Irish population is affected by some form of a disability. Yeah. Um, and then if we go like worldwide and think like 17 million people, 
that's just certain policy. Mm. There's so many other conditions out there, and like we've talked about it, we've talked about autism, uh, Down syndrome, things like that. Like, there's so many different, and to think that 17 million people is, is just cerebrosity is, 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 is something else. It's a pretty big number. Yeah. Was there much happening on the day around the world? Uh, there was, yeah. I, I saw quite a few uh, posts about kind of, um, you know, around like acceptance and and kind of owning your 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 condition and your and your disability, which was nice to see. It, it's always nice to kind of have positivity coming at you. Um, I suppose from my point of view, I I don't really necessarily know why, but I I just didn't really I didn't really engage with it. Okay. Too much. I don't necessarily know why. I just I didn't. Uh, actually when i was thinking about it i was kind of thinking like a conversation like this would be a better way to kind of articulate it than kind of a post to kind of garner likes or whatever do you, do you know what I'm yeah no like? i do we do we do because there's a campaign out there at the moment i don't know what it's for but it's like hashtags don't plant trees you know right. while social media is great and all the rest and it's deadly and you can sit at home and go oh yeah you know world's ending and it's terrible and oh diddly do on my phone and you know down with that sort of thing it's not going to change anything yeah it it is i think there is there is something about um having a conversation around it rather than just going oh yeah light up everything blue for whatever you know you know everything seems to have a color now as well for god's sake uh you know whether it's mental health or it's autism or whatever you know what i mean there's buildings now look like they're having fucking epilepsy themselves because their lights are changing on them so much. <laughs> That's oh uh, yeah, I mean, I could be onto something then actually, yeah. But you know what I mean? Everything now yeah. seems to have its day, have its yeah, uh, have its moment in the light and stuff like that. And I I, I suppose now that, now that you say that even um, that might have been a reason now to think about it that I that I I didn't necessarily post about it like. I, I do agree that like social media has an impact and because it can start these discussions and, and keep them going. But I suppose having a conversation like this about it kind of keeps it rumbling past um past that day because like for seventeen wide cerebral palsy day is every day. Yeah. Do you know like because like that's the point because I think I think since we've since since our policy day I think I've seen Down syndrome day, right? I think has been you know what I mean has been since I I'm nearly sure, you know, and that's just it. That's just something flashing up on fucking Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn, yeah, somewhere. Um, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And that, like, that yeah. it does it does it mean anything now? Is it losing its meaning? I don't know, Dan. I I just I I, I don't know. I, I think it is important, but I think it's, it, of course it is important, but I think it's equally as important to keep the conversation, like it's even something that we, we talked about in relation to, to mental health, World Mental Health Day, like all of these days are essentially every day. Yeah. For. Oh yeah, you gotta, you gotta do mental health problems on the other day of the week, Dan. Just that one day. 
Yeah. That's when you can have your mental health. We'll start. We'll, <laughs> all, we'll all have the conversation. And isn't it great? What's What's tomorrow? Let's just check the diary. That's something else tomorrow. Let's just let's get the mental health thing out of the way. And we move on tomorrow because it's cerebral palsy day. And then somewhere after that, then it's something else. So, like you said, it's. And we, we have said it before, I think, about disability in general. It's not a day. Yeah. It's every day. And I think uh, there's an RTE producer, um, Olin McGowan, who's a, a wheelchair user who who um, gave an, an interview recently and he was talking about um, the importance of time. And I, I just thought that was particularly interesting because I know it's something that we've talked about consistently um, since the start of the, the, the podcast actually but it, it just like everything hinges around time whether it's giving yourself time for like a mental health day or whether it's giving people with disabilities time to actually be like understood and accepted and like that's the thing like I, I was even um having uh like even even during college um one of the modules as i as i mentioned early on relates to picking a particular topic and doing a, a research project based on it and my original thought was to kind of spin off what i what i was doing uh, my thesis on last year and got look at disability and media representation um but then i was kind of like i, I didn't really want to be didn't really want to do something so similar and then i didn't also want to be um you know pigeonholed as this person that oh he only writes about this here's a disabled guy yeah yeah come on Ad, come on in yeah yeah and um i i had a conversation with uh, one of my friends on the course and she said that she understood about you know myself not wanting to be to be pigeonholed and, and stuff like that but she said that it, it is an important conversation to have and i think that's something that i've kind of noticed is that like it's just about acceptance during world Cyber holiday and promoting acceptance on social media and but i suppose it's it's promoting that acceptance on a more continual level, if that, if that. Yeah, makes no, it sense. does. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So Dan, I, I think to be honest, I think we have, or yeah, there is something. I think there's a bigger, there's a bigger something there. Yeah. Right. Especially when you talk about you don't want to be that one trick pony, uh, sort of going. Oh yeah, here's Dan. He's talking. Dan just talks about disability, you know. But I suppose to some degree, if Dan doesn't talk about disability. Who will? Yeah, it's going to be a tough decision, I think, for you. What you're going to do, or how you're going to how you're going to deal with it. Well, it's interesting because, like, it's it's something we we were discussing, and and she, she kind of mentioned to me about disability on something like a dating show, which is, which I thought was actually quite interesting, I suppose. And she did mention the fact that like I was on first dates, and then I suppose like the fact that I was the first wheelchair user on it. Um, now, Paddy Smith was on it previously, but he, he uh, and he has several points as well, but he uses crutches. So I, I suppose, and then looking at, I, I was even 
um, researching a little bit it a little bit this morning about uh, the undateables and and just like looking at like different representations across across the two different shows and across shows like that in general mm. um, and I think one very interesting thing that she, that she said to me is that like yes there is this thing of I don't want to be pigeonholed but then at the same time it's my unique selling point yes I, I'm kind of I've said previously that it's not all of who I am, but also it's it's a major part of who I am. So there's there's kind of that unique balancing act um, that has to be struck. So it, it's yeah, it's an interesting one that I think that I think we have spoken about before, but I think it's something that we will definitely come back to going forward, and I suppose consistently because it's, it's the heart of what we do, Dan. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. no, it really is. Yeah. So, what is your unique, unique selling point, Dan? Your USP? What is it? Uh, having that conversation that I had, I'm kind of, I'm realizing that my ability to, to talk about issues like these, from a personal perspective, is essentially my unique selling point. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe maybe owning it to some degree. I would say not, you know, not owning owning, yeah. owning is not the right word, but kind of is. Yeah, no, I, I suppose because I've always had the attitude that I've I've accepted it, mm. and I, I I suppose there there always is this inclination of, as I said, I don't want to be pigeonholed, but I suppose I'm learning now to kind of go. It's actually okay to go straight to to disability with with things like this so like if i if i come up with it with a topic it's actually okay to think how can i link disability into this yeah yeah well, how does straight it away or why doesn't it relate or should it relate yeah. yeah yeah straight away rather than having to think of something like if if that's my kind of niche shall we your say expertise that? yeah your your knowledge your your what your what yeah and I suppose that that's the point. You have people out there who are experts in everything, whether it's telecommunications, whether it's, I don't know, IT, uh, making pizzas. That's yeah. it, it, This is your USP. Oh, yeah, it, it does kind of make sense, really, I suppose. So I suppose, Dan, from from people's USPs or uh, unique selling points to uh, other people's unique selling points, what have we got? Yeah, so I, I suppose I've just been... Um... I suppose over, over the past couple of weeks, I've been getting to know uh, a few of the the people that I'm um, on the course with, yeah. on the master course with, and a few people that I'd like to to mention uh, before we finish. Um, Kate Gibbs has a podcast on uh, Spotify called "From Where I Stand." Um, so it's essentially she talks to a variety of different people and essentially just gives them a, a platform to tell their stories. So, um, say for example, the first episode is um, she talks to her mum about um, her sister having to give up... Um, sorry, she talks to her mum about growing up in Ireland in the 60s and things like that and having to give up um, her sister having to give up her sister I think having to give up um, 
children to the the nuns and kind of the effect that that has had on her uh, oh lovely her our scary recent history absolutely mm. uh, so I, I find that particularly interesting and then the second episode that she does is on her her parents she talks to other parents about life on a kibbutz in Israel okay um, which is not something I'd I'd experienced before so I just thought I'd, uh, I'd give her a shout out um, it's great work it's really interesting so keep it up Debbie yeah I like it um, and then there's also a friend of mine Connor Maloney who um, uh, produced uh, an audio documentary last year uh, called Take Me to the Bridge and it was based on a man who had a season ticket to Chelsea matches, I think it is. But he had a fear of flying. Right. So for years he used to take the ferry or the train or whatever over to matches every weekend. And it's kind of all about how he, um, all about that fear of flying and kind of uh, trying to, to overcome it. I don't want to give away too much. Um, and then third one uh, was a documentary which is very different from the first two uh, by Luke Toomey uh, called A Terrible Beauty and it's essentially about immigrant um, sex workers and their rights in, in Ireland and kind of um, he talks to a girl who is a trans sex worker in Ireland and that was the first episode and I think he's expanding on it as we go through the year so it, okay. I, I, it's quite similar in that it's not something I would have, I would have thought about very much um, previously so it's uh, I'm interested to see where that goes and then our, our final mention I suppose would be to our good friend Neve. Uh, Dunphy, who uh, recently got her Christmas FM certificate for completing uh, training with them over the past few months. So yeah, that's, that's, that's an of Irish, Irish Music Gems as well. Uh, yes. Her fantastic podcast on uh, Irish music, uh, which is terribly interesting. It certainly is. I know, because I get to edit it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no, but it is. It, it's... it's <laughs> Uh, it, it's it's very interesting actually to hear just um, you know the conversations with new Irish artists that you know unfortunately you don't get to hear about on your 98 FMs and your you know your 103.2s and stuff like that um, you know so she's doing a, a great credit to those people and to Irish music in itself so well done to our very own Eve Dunphy absolutely and actually one final one that I, I, I can think of um Shireen Langan, who is another friend of mine from the, from the course, she has just released a an ebook um, with a DJ Stephen Cooper uh, called "How to Podcast Like a, a Radio Presenter." Really, Dan? <laughs> yep, and that is on uh, WorldMediaLab.com. So she's done. Um, she's done presenting for. For FM 104, she's worked on the production of 
first dates. First dates first done. We get one first, first dates. Time as well. <laughs> I think, yeah, is that like the third time you've mentioned that now in this, <laughs> in this uh, particular episode? <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yeah, no, it is. Trust me, I've been counting. <laughs> so yeah, uh, should be should be an interesting uh, year working with. Yeah, it looks like we're going to have a bit of crack then. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think that's a good place to wrap this one up then. Um, this has been episode uh, 11 of Dan and Dara doing something else. I am Dara McNicholas. And I'm Danny. And we'll talk to you very soon.